Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a lovely new guest to the show, but she is definitely not new in the podcast community. Um, You know her, you love her. If you haven't yet had the pleasure of listening to her, uh, make sure that you go check out her show. Miss Lindsay Sharman, welcome, my dear. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to meet you and to be here and to encounter your audience. Hello, everybody listening. And it's funny, my friend, when I was young, used to call me Miss Sharman. Sharman's actually my middle name, uh, but she started calling me Miss Sharman. And it was part of uh, why I changed my name on Facebook to Lindsay Sharman instead of Lindsay Brown, um, because my students, I didn't want them to find me. I'm a public school teacher and mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to keep it somewhat more private so they can't cut. Everything was already set to private, but just in case, right, one more layer of protection there. Uh, and so I started going by Lindsay Sharman uh, because of her, because of Miss Sharman. And then <laughs> and then <laughs> I started Rogue Ways and I was like, well, it's actually a better name to use because there's 10 million billion Lindsay Browns, but there's only one Lindsay Sharman. So I go by Lindsay Sharman. Every once in a while, someone like freaks out about it. They're like, that's not your real name. I'm like, oh, that's my real name. It's just not the full thing. It's just a shortened version. But then I also found, I mean, Sharman is the most unique name. Like there is no one named Sharman. No one's middle name is Sharman. My parents made this up from scratch. You know, it's not even spelled like Sharman, the toilet paper. But then I found a Lindsay Sharman, an actual Lindsay Sharman (laughs) in the UK. I just found this a few months ago. And I was like, I was like a toddler who learns that someone else has their name. You know, they're like, no, I'm Sarah. You're not Sarah. Like, no, we're both Sarah. Like, this is a common name. I was so angry. I was like, who thinks they're Lindsay Sharman? I'm the only Lindsay Sharman. Maybe your parents actually uh, had something to do with them naming their kid Lindsay Sharman. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, this person's from the UK. She's into like magic and things. But otherwise, she's completely different from me. And uh, it's just really interesting. But you saying Miss Lindsay Sharman reminded me of all of that. It's kind of funny, though, that you said... Uh, it came about because of teaching, because I was a teacher for a while, too. I was teaching college. And it's like, how do you hide yourself on social media so that your students aren't literally all in your business all of the time? And it did not work for me because my students literally found me anyway. And oh, then it's too. like for tons of friend requests and whatever. Yeah. So here's a here's a story about uh, gremlins in the system. So I had my everything set to private. Nobody can see anything, right? They can see your current profile picture if they happen to find you in some way. And they can see your, um, what is that? The background thing that's behind your picture, your banner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so my students actually went through looking for, this is how dedicated they were. <laughs> they went through looking for every Lindsay in Washington. I was in Washington at the time, Washington State. So they found me by by going through every profile picture and going, oh, there she is. Finally, we found her. So they clicked on it. All my entire profile for years had always been set to private. And somehow one picture wasn't set to private. One post they were allowed to see. And it was a picture of a big, fat, sticky, icky bud. <laughs> so my students so dedicated, found my profile on Facebook and Facebook somehow showed them one big sticky butt. So of course, then it looks like, and I don't even, I'm genuinely, I don't even smoke 
weed. I used to when I was young, but I don't now. And I'm totally fine with it. People use it for whatever medicine, ceremonial, doesn't matter to me. I just personally don't partake anymore. Same. But that's how they now perceived me. They were, and they came to me and they were like, Miss Brown, we found you and look. And there's just this one picture of this spot. I'm like, you know, I, I will not. <laughs> I, just, I will not engage. But also <laughs> Facebook your little gremlins and your little demons. How dare you? There's no way I set that picture to public. That picture of all pictures. Like, exactly. No. This is the only thing I want people to know about. Right. Like so ridiculous. But things like that. I mean, that's the most minor of the types of electronic interference I have experienced from whatever forces people want to attribute them to. I have to uh, tend to agree with you on that there. So, Tell people who do not know you yet a little bit about you growing up. Like, what was your life like and how did you get into not just podcasting, but some of the other things that we're going to talk about today as well? Yeah. Um, you know, so if people don't know, I, I do have my podcast, Rogue Ways. Uh, I do a show almost every day of the week. I have only two days off. And I also am a shamanic spiritual teacher and healer. Uh, and so that's the majority of my work now is doing that. The podcast is sort of like a fun extra thing I get to do and talk to amazing people, share amazing uh, information, energy with people out there and, you know, keep people's spirits alive. But I did have a pretty um, hard beginnings, I'll say. And, you know, I didn't know that for a really long time. Mm -hmm. You know, as most kids, I think we just think that whatever we're experiencing is normal and that this right. is what everyone's experiencing. So mm -hmm. um, we were very poor. We moved a lot. Uh, we were homeless sometimes. Uh, when, it, when we weren't homeless, we were not living in great homes. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. often right. you know, either really, really tiny or, you know, falling apart or both. Which is fine. Again, as a kid, I I didn't care at all. I was like, oh, we get to camp for two months? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> uh, so homelessness didn't really affect me until, you know, the second time we were homeless uh, was a little harder because my father had just died and we were transitioning. And luckily, someone let us stay in their house, but it wasn't our house. And it's just that was a little harder to understand and deal with. Like, why, why don't we have a stable life? Right. At this mm -hmm. point, I was 11, 12. And so I could understand a little bit more that this wasn't quite normal but um that was you know like i said not that hard but what was harder is my father was severely uh i'll say ptsd to the max he was in vietnam um like everyone who's been in you know real wars they uh mm -hmm. have ptsd if they don't they're probably psychopaths uh, or they become psychopathic narcissistic or whatnot because they're not going to deal with their ptsd or you know, right. Even, you know what I mean? So, or, or even acknowledge that they have PTSD. That's a problem at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he had that. And then he was also forced into a second tour, which, you know, people will tell you is impossible and didn't happen. And mm -hmm. on. then he was also in Cambodia and not Vietnam, which people will tell you, I, we know, I think anyone who actually thinks and looks into history and understands mm -hmm. the actual nature of the government and war, we know, but a lot of other people will say like, no, we weren't in Cambodia because officially we weren't in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. He was in Cambodia. He was also a sniper. So he directly killed how many people, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was severely traumatized and, um, you know, so I knew him as this fun, loving, funny, like, you know, my dad, and I loved him. But he over time, especially once I was about seven and older, 
he just kind of fell off the tracks and he was drinking all the time. He would come home and be, you know, upset and breaking things. And it was terrifying. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that also traumatized me. And I didn't know that either. (laughs) You know, I just, I just knew dad is sad and dad is upset and we have to be a lot more careful now about dad's moods and, you know, these Mm -hmm. things, but Right. And then I, you know, went through the grief of losing him via, right? So there's abandonment now wrapped up in this too, because he was no longer really my father. He was some other creature and, and wasn't around a lot. Mm-hmm. So my mom then is super stressed out. So I have to deal with the trauma of watching your mom fall apart and be overwhelmed and cry all the time. And right, mm-hmm. these things were really rough. Um, so that, you know, and then he died. <laughs> he died when I was 11, which was horrifying and i didn't even understand that that could happen i mean and it was interesting my grandpa had died my grandma had died um so i understood death occurred but they were old and my dad wasn't old he was 42 so what what happened to your dad well he uh you know i pieced it all together over the years but no one really could say because he wouldn't go to the doctor Um, Mm -hmm. Again, trauma being a test subject for the military, being injected with all kinds of things. Uh, If you've seen Jacob's Ladder and other things, you know, there might be even more going on with that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he had he would not go to doctors, period. He just he just wouldn't. One time I watched him cutting up a tree and the chainsaw ricocheted and came back and hit his shin. He Mm -hmm. chainsawed his shin bone. Mm-hmm. and didn't go to the doctor <laughs> so this guy he was sounds hurt. like me <laughs> yeah he's committed like i'm not going there so uh, he just healed that on his own but you know he i remember one time him talking to some friends and he was talking about having testicular cancer at the time the conversation made no sense to me but later i looked back at it because it always stuck with me because it was really clear that everyone became very concerned about him as he was talking so mm-hmm. I remembered everything about, I was actually hiding under a table. I wasn't even supposed to hear this conversation, <laughs> but um, I, so I know he had testicular cancer. The doctors, once he died, said he had liver failure. I know he had cirrhosis of the liver, you know, if, mm-hmm. if not worse. Um, and he also seemed to have emphysema. I mean, the amount of stuff he would cough up in the day was insane. He would mm-hmm. carry around things with him in order to cough into them. So that sounds like at least COPD, if not. Um, right emphysema right so who knows which thing actually killed him well Um, and a lot of that too because that's back during the time where they used a lot of agent orange and things like that so he very well could have had you know the the lung problems and stuff because of the chemicals that he was around absolutely i mean he smoked but so did everyone else and no one was coughing up stuff like he was Mm -hmm. but i mean the rest of his body he had abused so much too in vietnam he had become addicted to heroin Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, he kicked somehow, which doesn't even, I mean, that's, that's amazing. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he just quit cold Turkey one day and uh, had his mom lock him in the, in his attic, at, you know, at their house and wouldn't let him out until it was done. And I was like, that's the, probably the strongest thing I've ever seen anybody do. I wasn't there, mm-hmm. but I heard the stories. Right. And right. Uh, that's pretty impressive. So, you know, as strong as he was, uh, he, eventually succumbed to that combination of mental illness, disease and everything Mm -hmm. else. So, but to me, again, it was still just like a shock out of nowhere. Like this can happen to someone young and your dad who is Superman can just die. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went deep into the dark end at that point. And like I said, we were uh, homeless at that time. My mom was just overwhelmed. My dad had just died. And I just decided that love didn't exist. 
uh, God didn't exist. Mm -hmm. uh, and everything was just really, really bad all the time. I had already kind of known that, but it all kind of came together and like clinched in that moment. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's when I started my uh, very early uh, drug abuse. And, you know, at first it was just cigarettes and alcohol and marijuana. And very quickly it became crystal meth and cocaine and acid and all of these harder drugs um, when I was about 12 years old. So, and that's kind of like your, your escape and your coping mechanism because, you know, how do you talk to your mom about these things when your mom's already emotionally unavailable because of what, what's going on in her life? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a part of it. And I think a bigger part of it was that I kind of wanted to die and I hated myself and I was punishing myself and I was also punishing everyone else. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, you haven't loved me. You haven't taken care of me. My mm -hmm. life is an absolute pile of crap. Right. And I, so why wouldn't I abuse drugs? So, um, you know, I had a therapist once and she said, Lindsay, I don't think you've ever been a drug addict, you know, the, but the way we use this terminology, like doesn't right. fit you. She said, I think you've just abused drugs for years. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I honestly agree with you because I've never in my life had a hard time starting or stopping any substance. Like mm -hmm. if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. And people have said like, wow, that's amazing. How do you do it? I'm like, well, you just decide not to do it. And then you don't do it. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, but weren't you addicted? And I'm like, well, I mean, if you want to look at it as an emotional thing, yeah, I was addicted to harming myself. So mm -hmm. that involved drugs and all kinds of other behaviors. Mm -hmm. But if you want to look at it as a physiological thing, I, I never used any substances that were physiologically addictive, except mm -hmm. alcohol, but not to the extent that it would have become addictive for me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I didn't really use cocaine that often. Uh, and, you know, the few times I tried heroin, I knew instantly like, oh, never do that again. <laughs> that, that level of addiction Hard is pass. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I felt it in my body and how much my body would do anything to get more. So I decided mm -hmm. right there and then never to do that again. So I don't think I ever was physiologically addicted to anything except cigarettes, mm -hmm. you know, but that didn't stop the constant use of many horrible substances over many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, as a general like umbrella, people tend to turn to substances or even uh, like randomized sexual encounters, things like that as a crutch, as a way to quote unquote, help to heal yourself, even though you're not, you're just masking you know, what's going on deeper under the surface. But a, lo a lot of people do that and they turn to those things, you know, turn to bad behaviors, I guess you could say, just to try to find some semblance of normalcy or acceptance or, you know, things yeah. that they weren't getting in, in their everyday life. Yeah, well, and I'm glad you said acceptance too, because that was the other thing, right? Is I now had mm -hmm. this group of people who, were as hard as I was, right? Like mm -hmm. no one was going to mess with us. We weren't going to get this treatment I had been getting my whole life. I had realized, right. And we were going right. to have each other's backs and we actually had loyalty in that, you know, honor mm -hmm. among thieves and all. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like you said, I mean, people will turn to those things, but they'll also turn to things that we think are good. Right. Mm -hmm. I saw a girl who was so severely abused and she would read books constantly. She mm -hmm. only ever was reading books. She would sit by herself and read books. The book was always literally covering her face. Like that was her way of hiding from the world. Mm -hmm. This was an addiction. 
it was so uh, this is a true story she got off the bus one day and walked just into traffic and died because she was in her book. Mm -hmm. So even the things that we're addicted to that you would say, well, that's a good addiction, right? Like it's good to be addicted. It's like, I don't think it's good to be addicted to anything. And in this case, this positive, you know, pastime of reading became an addiction that killed her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anything can be damaging. And we have this stigma attached to drugs, but not to a lot of the other things people get addicted to. Right. And I was going to say, look at how many people today, like if you go to a shopping center or the grocery store or something, literally are oblivious to anything around them other than their phone screen. And they will literally walk out in front of your car. They'll walk out in front of a bus. Like it doesn't matter because they're so hooked on. And that is truth. Like so hooked on whatever emotions or emotional responses they can get from social media. That like the outside world doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a safer place for them, right, than Mm -hmm. this world. I mean, and this is like, by the time I realized I had PTSD, I was like, what? I mean, like, my dad having PTSD would make sense. I wasn't in a war, right? Mm -hmm. I was, I was, but I finally understood this thing that is true, which is that it's about things being, things that are traumatizing tend to be things that we couldn't expect when it would happen. And it deeply threatened our internal sense of safety as though we were going to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for me, it was the frequency at which I had no stability, right? Right. It was so frequent, so common that eventually it just, okay, you have PTSD now. Mm -hmm. I also then much later remembered that I had been and it's hard to say that because I never actually forgot, but I just like put it in a little box and didn't uh, look at it again, I guess. But I remember mm-hmm. that I had been tortured by a dentist when I was young and mm-hmm. intentionally tortured for his pleasure mm-hmm. uh, over and over and over again. Uh, and that is actually the root of it. Then all my family stuff and my, you know, homeless, whatever, dad dying, like that just mm-hmm. compounded, compounded, compounded. Then me putting myself in all of these dangerous situations, which you you do, you're going to do enough drugs you're going to be around right dangerous people and dangerous situations. <laughs> you're going to lose control of yourself sometimes, like things are going to happen. So then all of those types of things compounded, compounded. Mm-hmm. By the time I was diagnosed, they're like, oh, you don't just have PTSD. You have complex PTSD, mm-hmm. which is over and over and over again. You've re-traumatized, re-traumatized, re-traumatized from all different angles and ways. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And all the symptoms fit and all the things that had been happening my whole life. I was like, oh my God, everything makes sense now. You know, Mm -hmm. these experiences I would have where um, eventually when I was like 30, maybe 28 or something, I uh, had this experience where this man abducted me from a bar and I thank God got away from him, you know, half a block down the road, which was fantastic. So I don't want to know what would have happened after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was traumatizing as it would be. Absolutely. Shortly after, yeah. Shortly after that, I um, I just had this thing. I had never had, I think, an official flashback before, uh, but I was at a bar maybe a week later, right? Back in the same setting at which this had happened to me. I was at a bar. I'd had a few drinks. I wasn't trash by now. I wasn't, you know, out of my mind. I was pretty buzzed, I guess. Went outside. I asked a guy for a cigarette. He handed me a cigarette. I said, do you have a light? He lit it. Then I looked at him 
and I flicked my cigarette in his face and turned around and just ran. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea why my friend luckily was there and ran after me. Mm -hmm. And I was about to jump into a four lane highway of just traffic without mm -hmm. even thinking because I right. was not aware of myself. And luckily he had caught up to me and grabbed me and stopped me from running into traffic. I had no idea what had just happened. I still mm -hmm. wasn't diagnosed for P with PTSD for another like eight years or something. Uh, right. But I looked back at that and I was like, wow, that was an actual flashback. Like I mm -hmm. literally just went back into some, and people I think misunderstand because I didn't remember, I, I wasn't imagining being somewhere else. You know, people think of the military things and we see this on TV and someone like thinks they're under fire and they're acting like they are mm -hmm. sure. But consciously they're not aware of imagining that or thinking that or being triggered back into that space and time. I had right. no idea what I was even triggered into. I don't even know what triggered it. Right. right. So I just know that it happened and that I went into that state. And, uh, you know, this is another thing just to mention, like, you know, a lot of people have this word triggered now as part of their vocabulary. And they'll say you triggered me or this triggered me or that triggered or this triggered. triggered, triggered. Right. And nobody really understands that um, if you actually have triggers in the traditional sense of PTSD triggers, you mm -hmm. don't know what they are necessarily. Right. Every, every once in a while you can figure it out. Right. Because uh, another time I had uh, someone knocking on the door sent me into a flashback. And of mm -hmm. course, when I came out, it was really clear, like I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. I heard a knock at the door and I just crumbled into a pile and couldn't move or walk or talk or do anything for like half mm -hmm. an hour. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's a that's a common thing, because I have uh, my best friend has uh, complex PTSD as well. And it's like. There are so many times that are, you know, where where that will happen and, and it will trigger the PTSD response. And, you know, she's like, I, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. And what it all boils down to is that feeling of unsafe, you know, and, and that is what it is for her is that that no matter what the situation is, you know, where, where she feels like her safety is threatened or she can't be independent or autonomous, that, that triggers past stuff all yeah. the time for her. Yeah. And it's really fascinating to learn, you know, how the brain works and why mm -hmm. this happens. You know, our, our left and right brain are connected and they work together and they create, right. you know, here's the senses that came in and here's what happened. And now we're going to mm -hmm. put it into a narrative and the narrative is linear. It makes sense to us and we can store it away. And so this is why mm -hmm. even if something really bad happens to someone, it doesn't have to result in trauma as mm -hmm. long as they are, you know, present enough within a decent right. amount of time from the event that their brain can go through that full process. Right? <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because so what store it away and, and you store it away in that linear way. And even if it's, oh, that was really bad and I want to avoid it. Well, it's not trauma. You still dealt with it. You processed it and it's okay. But mm -hmm. in the PTSD you have all of that sensory data and then you have what happened and your brain does not process it and it doesn't create this linear story. So mm -hmm. the only reason you can be triggered is because some of what mass of data of all of your senses, that can be things you saw, things you smelled, things you right. tasted, things you heard, how it felt to your skin, 
any mm -hmm. of these senses are just a mass of disconnected memories. They're not right. connected to a linear story. They're not processed and integrated fully. Mm -hmm. So it can be a smell. You can be walking down the street and smell something, not think that you've, don't know that you've smelled it. It could be the same smell or similar enough to the time that you were, whatever it was that happened to you. And mm -hmm. that can trigger you into a flashback. It can mm -hmm. be the glint of light off of a car as it passes that reminds right. you of, like the flashlight that came in the way or whatever right if you don't mm -hmm. and so again you might be able to find out what it was you might know what it was and you might never know what it was mm -hmm. and there's how many times in complex ptsd especially right right PTSD, you're like well i know what the thing was i have a good idea of the types of sensory data that might trigger something in complex it's like well which trauma which time, uh, exactly which group of sensory data right <laughs> so um so that was a big challenge once i started having you know full-on flashbacks and other things started you know i finally got diagnosed by you know one of the only good doctors i've ever had mm -hmm. uh, and she sent me to you know with a therapist who could help me uh, and this therapist I'm so grateful was trained in EMDR. I'm oh, nice. desensitization yep. reprogramming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some people believe or don't believe, but as far as the literature goes, this is one of the only things that helps people get to a point where that sensory data actually does finally get processed and put back in and stored correctly. And then right. you are no longer triggered. You just right. aren't like that no longer. And it's still maybe a trauma in your mind. Again, one of these things that we just don't, they weren't good. We want to avoid it in the future, right? Those things mm -hmm. are all still there, but you also have this um, and it's weird because it's not detachment from it. It's actually a deep reattachment to it, but mm -hmm. it's just not overwhelming anymore. The emotions of it get to just finally release, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and this is, again, the idea is that this left and right brain have to work together and they mm -hmm. have to uh, create this narrative. So, you know, they use this eye movement from left and right, left and right, left and right. And it accesses both sides of the brain and you go back into the memory of this, mm -hmm. uh, which no one wants to do. <laughs> it's not fun. It's, it's right. hard. It's hard work. And, and, yeah. you know, some people it's very effective, like one or two sessions and other people have to revisit that same trauma memory multiple multiple times just to be able to realize and process in in that situation that that they are okay that they are safe they did survive you know and, and you came out stronger from the other side because we talk about this all the time on my show about storing repressed energies repressed memory at a cellular level in your body so you have it's basically like i don't know swallowing like a big cocktail of gunk right and so it just like sits in your cells until you do something about it to get it out of your system yeah I mean, even on the basic uh, biochemical level, your mm -hmm. stress is detectable, right, in right. your blood. When you cry, you're literally releasing this huge amount of these stress chemicals. Like, that's why we cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you know, it's 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 even at the very materialist level, we can see that this is happening. We are putting this energy and storing it in our body. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is actually how I got to and came to what's well, one of the many reasons and ways I came to the spiritual healing and the spiritual work I do with people uh, is because of really, really understanding this connection between physical healing, mental healing, emotional mm -hmm. healing, and the spiritual component to it. 
mm-hmm. and that all of these things actually work together and heal together. And, you know, so all of this trauma, my whole life, I had been storing and storing and storing and not mm-hmm. processing and not integrating. And when I finally did my entire life changed, and I was already doing well because I'm one of the trauma you know, my, my version of having trauma is just like overachieving constantly and just being constantly busy all of the time. (laughs) So my life was great, you know, on paper. Uh, But once I actually healed all of this stuff, I actually had these huge break breakthroughs and transformations. And what's really funny is, you know, I got to this place where I understood, you know, who I always had been when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I was the same person who I was so happy about life. And I was so sure, you know, that everything was actually fine. And I remembered the spiritual connection we had, and I'd always had lived in that. And it was the trauma and the darkness that had kind of like shoved that part of me aside. Mm -hmm. And she was always there. I continued to have spiritual experiences, whether I liked it or not, all throughout the trauma, all throughout the dark years, like that Mm -hmm. never stopped. That was just a part of uh, who I am. But like the real integration of that and living in that and authentically standing in that all of the time didn't happen until I was done processing and dealing with the trauma. Mm you know, and really learning some of the body techniques of how to release what's stored there. Uh, And now I just have all these modalities. I have sound healing techniques. I have just pure energy work techniques, you know, and Mm -hmm. all of these things, the shamanic techniques that are like a shortcut, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's for everybody. I think some people need, like, I think I needed, I had been to shamanic healers and all sorts of stuff. um, But I needed the EMDR. I mean, mm-hmm. right? Like I think sometimes uh, as many modalities as we can throw in the bag is maybe best, but I've seen people with the work I do now transform their entire lives in six months, three mm-hmm. months, one session sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's amazing to me that, um, you know, our soul, heart, mind, and body can work together in such a way to create these transformations uh, in ways that seem miraculous, I think, to us. No, and I I completely agree with that. And one thing I was thinking about um, that I think is true for a lot of people um, when they go through things like you did with with you know trauma compounded on top of trauma, like seemingly nonstop, right? When you can learn to let those things go, they are such good lessons for you to to strengthen your spirit to strengthen your soul and i'm a firm believer that all of us have gifts um god-given gifts but a lot of people like don't know what their gifts are they don't know what their purpose is how they're supposed to use that and yours even though at the time it was it was frightening and scary and dark um it was a beautiful journey because it put you on the path of what you're supposed to do because you helped to heal yourself. And now you can take what you know from being in that and help other people, which I think is beautiful. That is the beauty. And that is actually what any of us has to do. It doesn't have to be trauma and spiritual healing, but whatever Mm -hmm. it is we are doing, we're doing exactly because of that. The challenges that we've overcome in our lives have been Mm -hmm. our best teachers actually. And absolutely. I wrote, 
I wrote an article once. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was called now. It's somewhere on my Substack of massive amounts of channeled messages and articles I've written. But you know, it was about pain, and I've had chronic pain physically as well. I've had severe scoliosis, and I have rods along my spine, titanium mm -hmm. rods, and I've had you know this severe autoimmune disease and all of these different things in my life that are physically painful. So I've had physical you know trauma as well on that level. Um, and this article I wrote was just about that. Like I actually now honor and respect my pain physically, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, all of it. I don't mm -hmm. want more of it. <laughs> like, thank you. I, I would like to be done now. But at the same time, I, I understand. And it's not even just that this is like a lesson and we had to go through the, the fire to learn the lesson. It's much more for me and what I see on my spiritual eye when I'm working with other people and with myself, mm -hmm. uh, it's that it's our karma actually. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so this is wild. And if you want uh, to hear about a past life story that has something to do with me being tortured by the dentist as a child, that I could, it's the best explanation I have of this process. <laughs> I was going to say, do tell, because I had a dentist that was the exact same way. Mm. Isn't this crazy? There's so many of them. Mm -hmm. So not only did I find other victims of this same exact dentist who had the same exact profile as me, the youngest girl in a poor, family whose parents were either overwhelmed or absent every mm -hmm. time all of us were that so he had a type so um because we're the easiest to abuse so anyways mm -hmm. um yeah it's a it's a weird archetype the torturing dentist i found many people who have experienced this too uh but so yeah so eventually <laughs> i went through emdr with that too i actually did release mm -hmm. like that and i also tried to do forgiveness practices and but part of me just like hates this person i mean like that's hard to let go <laughs> right <of>. yeah <laughs> uh so you know then i had this um spontaneous past life memory and at this point this was my i want to say third or fourth past life memory so that part wasn't entirely new to me uh, I had had many past lives come back again, and, and I never, ever, ever went looking for them. I wasn't in some sort of hypnosis program or some sort of deep meditation intending to go back into. Nope. Every time I was in either deep meditation or an astral projection or some other spiritual state, I would say, but never with the intent to get a past life. So these mm -hmm. things just came back and, and I explain it like this. The lives that are coming up are coming up because I finally had space and time and safety and security enough to deal with it. Just mm -hmm. like the traumas we go back with EMDR to process, mm -hmm. uh, right? And in that state, I'm with a therapist. It's a comfortable situation. I'm ready, right? This was similar. I, I was in a place in my life where I was well enough to deal with these things. So this memory comes up and it's the most revolting one yet. All of my past life memories are exceptionally traumatic and or make me question who I really am and what, <laughs> what's mm -hmm. happened in my many life incarnation. Uh, and in this one, I was a torturer and I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so great that I was doing this service that no one else could do this job because it was so hard to do it. I was doing it for the service of my country or nation or group or whatever. This mm -hmm. is like medieval times. As far as I could tell, there's just stone structures everywhere. Uh, and this was a service I was providing and I was torturing people who deserved it. I was getting, you know, good information out of them. I was deterring other people from degrading our society further. I like, I felt good about it mm -hmm. and I did it for a long time. I saw it. I felt it. I watched it happening. I lived it as though I was that person and I lived the enjoyment of it too. 
And in this experience, if anyone else has had a past life memory recall, they'll relate you at the beginning, you kind of are like, no, I'm Lindsay in this life, right? But as you get into it, you're like, oh, no, I'm this person in this life. <laughs> like, you know, so I, I had some experiences there. And then I saw the moment where I realized what I was doing. And I don't know if you've ever seen the family guy where the guy is like in jail for stabbing people and he like stabs his own leg or something. He's like, oh my God, this is what I've been doing to people this whole time. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> um, it was like that. It was as though I literally had never considered or connected to it or felt it right. And I suddenly had this burst of empathy and understood how awful it was what I was doing. And, and mm -hmm. it was as though some part of me understood like the, how this was going to follow them, even if they died in my care, whatever, whatever right. Mm -hmm. um, that this would go with them into, you know, that we were souls. And it's like, it all just hit me suddenly that we're souls, that this person's going to carry this trauma and that I'm going to carry the karma of it. All of this occurred to me and I sort of lost it and I lost my nerve for it and I couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I like went home that day and I drank a bunch of alcohol and I went down to like a canal and I think I was going to drown myself or drink myself to oblivion and fall in the water on purpose so that I would drown or something. I hated myself suddenly. And I remember feeling like she's never going to forgive me. She's never going to forgive me. And I, I don't know if this was like a mother or a lover in that life. I, I wasn't so clear at this point. And I, um, I don't know, I just had this sort of like come to Jesus moment in that life. But I also knew like, I can't go back to work. And then everyone's going to think I'm a traitor. And now I might be exiled or worse, or I might be tortured. So mm -hmm. it was all of this hitting me at once. And, and I was overwhelmed. And I actually really, the way I experienced it is me now, Lindsay, now being there and watching all of this, because then I started to come back out of it and sort of just see him as me now again. And, and I had so much compassion and pity for him. And I was like trying to just sort of scream at him astrally, like, don't kill yourself it'll make it even worse just mm -hmm. go through run away if you have to or whatever just don't kill yourself uh and he seemed to hear me or understand and then i got sucked back into this life in this moment and i was like bawling and crying both because i had experienced torturing someone which i never wanted to experience mm -hmm. and because of how i left him in the state that was in and so, you know, past life memories for me have not been fun. Uh, so I had to go through a whole however many days and hours and, you know, processing this for myself and really understanding it and integrating it, which is its own kind of healing. Mm -hmm. And it also hit me one day. Oh, that's why I was tortured in this life. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not like it's not like the souls involved are like, ah, I'm going to get you back. It's like some part of you is like, well, I did it. So I am it. And then I am also the person experiencing it. So I'm going to experience it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's a cause and effect sort of thing. And so, you know, when, even when I talk about this, people are like, well, why, why would your soul need to be punished for it? You already sort of understood. And I'm like, well, none of it's linear. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I really didn't understand until I saw both sides of it, right? Until mm -hmm. I went back to that life and saw being a torturer and mm -hmm. then remembered in this life being tortured and had to hold the two things together at one time. And then I understood all of it. And mm -hmm. then I finally was able to forgive my dentist guy. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I, at the soul level, none of us 
needs to stay attached to this. We mm-hmm. just need to release it. I forgive you. Just let this go. Like, just mm-hmm. let's be done with this and stop this cycle, <laughs> right? Uh, and this is also part of how I started to learn how powerful of a force forgiveness is. Oh, 100%. And and I think that's what a lot of people um, get so hung up in, you know, whatever this person uh, that your anger is is directed at, whatever they did to you was so terrible that you like can't get over it or you refuse to forgive them. Um, and that just makes that trauma stay with you continually. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a festering skin disease where it just eats at you and eats at you until you are physically ill. Yeah. Yeah, manifest as illness. Whatever it is that you're not integrating and releasing, mm-hmm. it's manifesting as illness. It's manifesting as blockage of some kind. And like you said, we all have gifts, uh, but your mm-hmm. gifts are going to be suppressed by your blockages or by your, if you want to call it negative karma. Your, I like to say, imbalanced karma mm-hmm. or these, you know, these festering wounds, like we're talking about. And mm-hmm. you know, another thing, I had a friend say this to me. She was, I, I don't remember who I was talking about, some ex-boyfriend or something. And she was like, "Well, why are you still thinking about him?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, he." like mistreated me or he did this and this unfair thing. And she's like, yeah, but you thinking about him is like a doorway you're leaving open for him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, weird. It's actually true. Right. Because when I think about it now, I'm like back in that energy and like, and like hating him. What it's taking up space and taking up energy. And like, why do I even just let it go? It's mm-hmm. done. It's in the past. Right. Forgive right. and move on. And, um, you know, I've had these amazing experiences take place with an actual forgiveness practice as well, mm-hmm. which I didn't learn for a while, right? Like in that experience, I still didn't have a specific forgiveness trap practice with this dentist and stuff. I just understood and I just did forgive and I just released it. And and mm-hmm. that's great too. But eventually I was, you know, in, uh, invited into a specific practice of forgiveness where every day, ideally we're going in and specifically inviting uh the consciousness of the a person who we either harmed or they harmed us or both Mm -hmm. right especially people who come to mind randomly it's nice to be like it's like like that example if if your ex-boyfriend comes to mind your ex-girlfriend comes to mind and you're like angry again like do a forgiveness practice right then Mm -hmm. right because here's your body and here's your mind and your heart telling you like hey this still isn't dealt with. (laughs) Can Mm -hmm. we deal with this now? Like that's why you're thinking of it, right? It's coming up to be addressed. Mm -hmm. So do a practice. And I started doing forgiveness practice and I just felt better. That's a good reason in itself, Mm -hmm. but I loved it so much and how good I felt that I just was doing it for like any, but I was like, who else can I do a forgiveness? (laughs) Let's go through all the files, everyone I've ever known and talked to. Write down everybody's name on a list. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like the fourth step in AA. And I, uh, and so I got to this girl, this was like the most minor thing. I'd already gotten everybody big and everybody medium. And like, now it's down to the like tiniest things. And this girl mm-hmm. had just been an asshole to me in, in some random party in high school. Right. And it, and it hurt my feelings really bad. Uh, and so I just was so mad at her. I like shunned her forever after that. And she was, you know, shunning me back, whatever. But I mean, we are way past high school now. It was like 20 mm-hmm. years past high school now. I haven't thought about her for so long. I'm sure she hasn't thought about me for so long, right? But I'm doing this forgiveness practice because I'm like, well, it hurt my feelings and she popped up in my mind. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Did the forgiveness practice. I went to sleep. I woke up to a message in my messenger inbox. She had found me on Facebook and messaged me right after I did this forgiveness practice with her. And the message was, and we haven't talked for 20 years since that event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
the message was, I don't, you know, I don't know why I was thinking about you. And I just, I don't even know if you remember this thing, but I just remember being, you know, really rude to you at this, this thing, this party or whatever. And I am just so sorry. And maybe it doesn't matter to you at all, but I just needed to say it for myself. So Mm -hmm. sorry. I I hope you can just forgive me and, and whatever. And I was like, how, what are the chances? Mind blown. Yeah. Mind blown. (laughs) So then I'm just like, now I'm just like rekindled. I will do forgiveness practice for anything, anyone, anywhere. I do it anytime. My computer's malfunctioning. Someone's treating me poorly. I'm treating someone poorly, like Mm -hmm. anything. I'm like, okay, go into forgiveness practice. And so I'll share one more story about forgiveness practice and its effect. My friend had $70,000 stolen from her. Oh my. Uh, yeah, which is just, that's its own story. So she had this money gone. Her life is broken now. I mean, this was the money they were buying a property. They were going to build a little house and, mm-hmm. you know, have their little homestead. And now the money's gone. Uh, and she's like, what, what can I do? What can I do to get it back? Can you think of anything like, you know, you know, stuff. But I'm like, I, I mean, no, <laughs> aside from getting a crowbar and walking up and just like threatening, that, you know, like that probably won't work <laughs> anyway. And it's not a good idea. I was like, but, you know, you can do forgiveness practice. And mm-hmm. who knows what could happen? Because the right. truth is, as I've learned over and over again, whatever you're experiencing, you've done that to someone else. So mm-hmm. this life or another, you stole seventy thousand dollars from someone, right? Probably that mm-hmm. same person um, in that life. And and so do forgiveness practice with genuine apology in your heart and mm-hmm. asking forgiveness for what you don't even know you did, or right. Mm-hmm. And then also forgiving them for like genuinely as much as you can forgive them for doing this to you. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, you know, like everyone, I don't know how I don't, I don't forgive them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, just practice it. And eventually like, you know, especially if you're asking, you know, God or your spiritual guides or allies to help you actually feel the forgiveness in your heart and experience the forgiveness and the release, it's going to happen. Do it daily, mm-hmm. do it 10 times a day, do it as often as you can. Uh, a couple weeks later, she messages me back. And she's like, a church group found our, found us, heard our situation and gave us $70,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in that case, that person, they're going to keep going on with their karma. They kept the money and that's going to be their own thing. But, mm-hmm. but her, she got to experience this actual release of that, actual forgiveness of that, not storing it anywhere, not holding on to it. And mm-hmm. her situation was remedied. Um, so miracles can happen when we forgive. And that's what I think is a beautiful thing. And one of the things that I know about me a hundred percent is that I was blessed with the gift of intercessory prayer. Mm. And so, and it, it sounds so retarded to people, but I literally <laughs> have like a visual scroll in my mind, everybody that needs prayer on whatever level they need prayer on and there is always someone on there that needs to forgive someone else but they don't have the capability to do that yet Mm -hmm. to forgive them on whatever level and so those are always on my prayer list not only to pray for the person who did the wrong but pray for the people who can't forgive at this moment Yeah, that's a great, you know, and this is one of the things I've learned doing uh, past life tarot readings, which is um, something my spiritual guides and allies taught me and led me to, to be able to do. And I, and I just, you know, I've been doing tarot for years. I've never heard of anyone doing a past life tarot reading. And I was just kind of like, I mean, that's crazy, but I've learned, yeah, (laughs) but I've learned long, long ago that I just trust them and I just follow and I just do what I'm, I'm told and it works out and it does. So 
I started doing past life readings and aside from, you know, a soul retrieval like energy, which that's something else that I also do in my other types of shamanic healing work. Mm -hmm. um, but aside from that, because that, you know, when we look back into a past life, that's happening. Some part of you is reconnecting with something that was lost or stuck or blocked mm -hmm. way back when. Right. And really it's mm -hmm. right here, right now, everything is, but right. you know, in our, in our linear understanding, it's been blocked since then. So that happens. But another really beautiful thing that happens is most of us in our past lives were doing things that we wouldn't do in this life. That's mm -hmm. why it's a past life. We've learned from it. We've moved on from it. We might be dealing with some karma from it, but we're mm -hmm. not like that anymore. So almost everyone is seeing into a part of themselves where they're like, that's not me though. Mm -hmm. I would never do that. And they're have some level of like, no, or disgust or like, you know, mm -hmm. of course not. But in doing that and in seeing that you were that and you did do that, you have a higher capacity for forgiveness because now you can mm -hmm. really see like, oh, if I was like that, I can't hold it against other people. They are making the same mistakes I made, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so Absolutely. I have this compassion and I have this forgiveness now. And that's one of the really cool things I've seen from people being able to see into some of their past lives is that exact effect of like, lot more compassion for the things that in this life. And this is so funny for me too. I just, I always had this focus on like, how can people torture each other? I don't even understand how I would mm -hmm. never, there'd be no cause, no reason, no purpose for which I could cause someone that much suffering. And mm -hmm. so when I saw that life, I was like, I guess there is actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some situation could occur in which I did that because I did do that. So we, we develop a lot more understanding from seeing ourselves in these lights. So let me ask you, when you, when you were growing up, did you have like empathic abilities and um, things that you knew that you were gifted or special? Yeah, I mean, more and more, I understand that. And again, at the time, it just seemed normal to me. I didn't understand it as special or different. But mm -hmm. I think anyone you would have asked when I was a child, you know, would have said like this she's special <laughs> right like not not in the not the right not that she's yeah. special she's gifted she's so special yeah. right <laughs> so all my teachers yeah I was very very intelligent precocious I was reading at you know seven grades above grade level even from when I was really young and all of these things were true uh but I also think if you would have asked people they would have said like yeah there's something else too but like I I didn't know anyone who had the words for it I didn't have right. anyone some people grow up with parents who are kind of woo woo and whatever. So they just, they kind of know that about themselves. I didn't have that, but I know that people would constantly sort of treat me like what I was saying or doing was, I understood later that I was being psychic and, mm -hmm. and, you know, so it would shock them and they'd be like, how does she know that? Or why is she saying that? But mm -hmm. at the time I was just like, I don't know why they're acting weird because of what I just said or did, you know, mm -hmm. I also have understood that I was constantly talking to and interacting with in my mind psychically <laughs> you know my mm -hmm. guides and allies trees dogs horses like everything and everyone mm -hmm. um and I just did not understand why other people weren't understanding the things I was understanding I was like oh you don't mm -hmm. know that that tree wants some more water right now like why wouldn't you know that that's just uh, a knowable thing like <laughs> you know you, know, you don't understand this dog wants to be like pet or I just I just did not get it for a long time you know, I love that, though, because, um, like, my husband calls me the animal whisperer. Yeah. Because I can, I love to sit outside, 
And I can sit outside and like hummingbirds will come and they'll flutter in front of my face or whatever. I'll talk to them. I'm always having, you know, toads or frogs or butterflies or whatever, like come to me, sit on me, whatever. And it's like, I just have a chat with them. And he's like, you're like Snow White. And I'm like, I can understand him though. Like, it's very strange. Like I can understand like our pets and, you know, wild animals and, and whatever. And I have literally always been that way, but it wasn't until my adulthood, um, where I was like, okay, so this is a gift and, you know, the intercessory prayer is a gift. And, and there's so many things that like, I understand now, but I never did growing up because I never had that guidance, <clears throat> whatever. I had a very, um, my parents were very unemotional and very um, unloving and, and stuff like that. And so like, I never had that kind of like guidance to be like, you know, there's something different about you. You should embrace this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, people have, asked me more recently too, I guess people got excited about this whole gate project thing that kids are put into this special program. And so people started asking me like, were you part of the gate project? And I'm like, I don't know, but I was definitely in these special pull out mm -hmm. programs uh, in classes and uh, or in school. And I don't remember literally anything about it, which is weird enough because I remember mm -hmm. everything else about the time. So I'm not really mm -hmm. sure what, what was going on then or what that program actually was. And I do have full memories of other extracurricular things for special kids or gifted kids or whatever that I was a part of. So right. you know, the specific in-school program that me and I remember the other four people or five people who were there with me as well. And we were all sort of in that gifted program, but I don't remember what we did. I don't remember what happened. I don't remember anything about it. And that was the extent of my sort of guidance. Mm, what being, were they doing to you? <laughs> right. Well, that was, that was the extent of my sort of guidance of being, you know, gifted or special. And I definitely did not have any spiritual support. We definitely didn't have any, I, I didn't have words for any of this. I didn't have nothing. Mm -hmm. So when the internet came around, Right. And now I'm right. like, what, 16 <laughs> or something? Yeah, like, I was going to say, because we're old enough to remember when the internet actually showed up. <laughs> and it was amazing because then that's the stuff that I went looking for because I had such weird experiences and mm -hmm. no one was able to tell me what they were. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, what are these lights in the sky that seem to be talking to me? And what mm -hmm. is this? And why is this happening? And all of this stuff. And why do people get scared when I say things sometimes? Oh, it's because I'm reading their mind. And they're like, mm -hmm. why are you reading my mind? I'm like, I didn't know I was. <laughs> um, and all of this stuff. So the, the internet actually helped me. And and that was almost on accident too, because I didn't even know what to search for. Right. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know what, and the searches were different. And anyways, I just, mm -hmm. it was, it was part of the awakening at least. And um, many other things also spurred further awakenings that I got to get to this point that I'm at now. <laughs> so what, what was the, what was the driving force behind like putting you into uh, the shamanistic work and, and, you know, spiritual healing and things like that? What kind of motivated you there? Uh, it's really, there's so much, uh, you know, throughout my life, I've been literally synchronistically without any intention thrown into the laps of multiple shamans and spiritual teachers who then healed me and guided me and taught me uh, on their own 
ways from around the world, even when I'm traveling in foreign countries, I'll just be thrown into the lap of a shot, like not looking, I'm never looking for it. It's just happens. So I, I can see that my soul, my guides were just like shoving me into this all along. Uh, mm -hmm. But one of the main things too, that happened to me was I got a demonic attachment when I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm putting this at about 14 years old. I had a tarot reading done by a woman at a an AA sleepover for teen girls. And uh, she did this tarot reading and I knew nothing about it. I didn't understand what was happening. And unfortunately, the way she did the tarot reading was to invite a spirit to come guide the reading. Uh, I would never ever do that now uh, because if you just leave it open to which spirit and you're not indicating what type of spirit or which spirit or what kind of like what energy it has or anything else I mean mm -hmm. you might get a good one or you might get a horrifying one I think I think that is why a lot of people associate very negative connotations to uh, tarot reading because oh, yeah. they see it as demonic uh, witchcraft whatever you want to call it yeah i mean it can be it obviously it was this time mm -hmm. uh, and, and she wasn't a specifically negative or demonic person she wasn't looking to have negative things happen to me or herself right that that wasn't what did it it was just this invitation for a spirit to come in and um and i even repeated it that was part of her process it was like you invite the whatever so i did that i invited mm -hmm. this in and uh, I did not know what I was doing, obviously, and it, and it just so happened that the spirit that came through for me was this um, pretty powerful, pretty malevolent, demonic energy. Super sneaky, because it didn't show itself really for quite a while. It, it weaseled its way deeper and deeper into my life first, <laughs> until mm -hmm. before I got to see it for what it really was and understand what was happening. So yeah, tarot can be that, it, it, but it can also be good. And I do tarot readings now, even though I stopped for a long time because of this incident, um, mm -hmm. because of what happened. But um, I went back to it eventually because I understood like the tarot is just neutral. It's just like a hammer or a saw or a house. And it's, it's not good or bad or anything else. It just is. And anyone can turn it into whatever they want, just like they can do with a hammer or a saw mm -hmm. or a house. Right. The intention like behind it. Well, and, and what you actually get right and what you allow to into it and what you allow to happen to it. And just like you can go to a church, the church itself can be great, but a specific pastor or leader of it is a corrupted person with negative mm -hmm. intent and that mm -hmm. church can become a dark and evil place, right? It's right. it's all of these things are just actually neutral and all of them are channels and they can be a channel for good and they can channel for bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I do tarot now, but I do it in alignment with, um, you know, what I call heaven source, God, my favorite mm -hmm. guides and allies like Jesus and, and more. And, and that's what's coming through. And I do mm -hmm. only love is allowed through only love right. is what's motivating us. Only love is the outcome. Mm -hmm. So even though, even though some dark things come up for people, it's their own things that come up and their darkness is coming out so that they can heal it. So nothing, no mm -hmm. dark forces, no external negative entities, I ever come through anything I do. And, you know, I've had people ask me like, well, how do you know that? How do you know that for sure? And I'm like, because I've confronted demons in my life multiple mm -hmm. times, this tarot time was just the first of many times that would end up happening. And so I'm very familiar 
with just how dark, just how evil, just how manipulative, all the tricks that can be used. And again, mm -hmm. like you said earlier, a lot of my dark experiences were the perfect training really, right? For what I do mm -hmm. now. And, and this is no different. You know, the at the times that I was dealing with these things, it felt like the universe was crumbling and like, you know, I was going to be lost forever or things were hopeless. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I had to deal with all of that and come out the other side to realize, oh no, our souls are eternal. We're mm -hmm. always protected when we ask for it. There is right. nothing that could ever stop the light. And I have now a faith that is unshakable. Mm -hmm. Nothing could ever happen. A literal demon could manifest in the flesh and blood and try to like rip me apart and I would still be good because <laughs> mm -hmm. I know this truth and I have been forced to experience it over and over again. And so, you know, mm -hmm. so I do know, I do know, you know, all the dark and all of the light and I know how to protect myself and others from the dark and I know mm -hmm. how to channel through just the light and I know how to hold the space so that it is only the light and the love and I right. would never, ever, ever invite anyone to do any of those things unless they were that sure. hundred thousand percent. I agree with that because if, if anybody listening has never had that experience before with demonic uh, presence, energy, whatever words you want to use for it, um, it's frightening very, very frightening. But one of the things that you said made me think of this um, on the, in the biblical perspective is that when you were going through all this, this darkness and, you know, all of these things and learning all of this um, stuff, unfortunately, the hard way, um, it was preparing you to put on the armor of God to be able to defeat what was attacking you before. Yes. Um, and and it, that's really hard for people to wrap their mind around of why we have to, as humans, go through uh, traumas, uh, deaths, things like that. It is it is not a form of punishment. It is literally to teach you a lesson how to become stronger and overcome to be that warrior that you're supposed to be. Yeah. It's well said. And, you know, I have people sometimes who are like, well, I want to do, I want to do that. I want to mm -hmm. be a shamanic healer or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know if you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think uh, if I told you the training regimen I went through on accident mm -hmm. <laughs> without knowing, <laughs> mm -hmm. you wouldn't, I think, want to do it, but maybe you still wouldn't. And, and so you should, uh, but I'll also add, you know, when I do work with people and, and teach people to do some of these things on their own, every time I, it comes with a disclaimer, you will confront your own darkness over mm -hmm. and over and over again. You Absolutely. will have things that will come up and poke, poke, poke to see if they can get through your armor mm -hmm. over and over and over again until you understand how thick and pure that armor is. And it's mm -hmm. always on. And until you understand that you're, you have to heal everything. Mm -hmm. You don't get to, you don't get to skip anything in yourself. You're right. going to all of it. So you're going to also probably continuously come up against crises and healing crises and purifying yourself mm -hmm. if you choose this path. And, and so if you want to do it, but don't do it thinking that this is all just like, you know, 
this is the the what do they call them? The pathologically love and light. <laughs> this is this is the cool thing to do. So I'm gonna try it because it right. seems cool. I'm like, uh, I mean, for, do it, but like, be careful. Well, <laughs> like, know what you're getting into. To me, I kind of believe that, like, with your spiritual gifts, like you are led. <clears throat> If you, if you are open to that and if you listen to it, you are led to the path that you are supposed to be on, yeah. um, the path that you are supposed to take. And for me, it was very different because, you know, I, I worked in healthcare for a bazillion years and business and, and whatever. And I got out of that and it's like now, like I was pushed on a holistic path and here now you need to learn about herbal remedies. Now you need to learn about whatever. And the knowledge is there. And it sounds so weird, but it's like downloads, mm -hmm. you know, from source, which are God for me, it's God, other people at source or whatever you want to call it. But it's like he will impart you with the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to complete whatever path that he has put you on. And so, you know, that's when you're open to that and you're accepting of that path, you, you will get the knowledge. Yeah. It's to so do what true. you're supposed to do. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I also emphasize that to people. Like I did and not go looking for any of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not it, a it came to yeah. your lap and that's like me, like I had no, intention of doing any of that stuff and one day it's like oh well here's some books that you're gonna need oh well here just happens to be all these supplies at a store randomly that you would never see and it was like you know marshmallow root and all these other things that you're not going to see at the regular store because i literally live in the middle of nowhere yeah <laughs> and it's like all these things appeared you should get them and take them home okay I don't know why, but okay. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it was through, I mean, sometimes it was like that direct guidance and sort of download and just knowing. And sometimes it was the communication with star beings. And sometimes mm -hmm. it was because I literally would just suddenly be in like the home of a shaman who's doing a healing on me and teaching mm -hmm. me these things. Right. And sometimes it would be because people wouldn't stop asking me for things. Mm -hmm. So and this is what happened to me with making orgone and you know, mm -hmm. Orgone is, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it's just life force energy. Uh, and Orgone accumulators is actually the technical name for creating something that we just call Orgone for the life force energy it's named after. But, you mm -hmm. know, this is accumulating life force energy. There's tons of different people who do it in all sorts of ways. And um, all of these people one day, like it just started and it just didn't stop. People are like, you should make Orgone. I'm like, I don't want to make Orgone. Like you're everybody like, makes you're Orgone. Like what? Yeah, I mean, they, there's orgone anywhere. In my world, there was orgone everywhere. Like my neighbor made orgone. Other people I knew made orgone. Everybody talked about like, it's just all over. I'm like, I don't need to make orgone. And then someone else was like, you need to make orgone. I want you to make orgone. I'm like, why? Why do you want me to? There's plenty of orgone out there. You're and like, why else, don't you do it yourself? I yeah, don't know. I don't want to do it. And then like a, and someone else and someone else and someone else. And then one night my spiritual guides came to me in astral travel and were like, here's how you're going to make orgone. And they like mapped it out for me and like showed me how to do it. And so now I have this class that I was taught orgone and I was like, Oh my God, why won't you guys leave me alone? I don't want to make orgone. But again, when they're telling you, and it's this obvious, you better, listen. Like, I better do it. So I mm -hmm. got all this stuff and I made orgone. And what's hilarious is, 
it blows me away how powerful it is. Like, I'm like, oh, I've seen a bunch of orgone, but none of it has ever been like this. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that to brag or something. I'm just saying like, for me, I feel this and I'm like, whoa, I go to spiritual fairs every once in a while and I'll have some of my orgone there even though that's not the main thrust of what I'm doing, I'm usually doing readings or other stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but I have some orgone there and I've had people like stop in their tracks and look over and go, Whoa, what is this? And I'll be like, Oh, this is orgone. They're like, that's not orgone. And I'm like, well, it's not like anyone else's orgone you've ever seen. And they're like, Whoa. And I've had people like hold their pendulums or their crystals over it. And it starts like moving super fast. And they're like, what is this? I'm like, this is like, real orgone i think right mm -hmm. wow this came from a source like i was guided to make it mm -hmm. in this way and here it is and i still have some old school like fundamentalist orgone people who are like that's not orgone because it doesn't have this and this and this and i'm like i mean it came from god so like mm -hmm. what well, you can call it whatever you want but it's really powerful mm -hmm. and now i make orgone but i can't tell you how long i was just like no i don't want to i'm not going to and finally i just had to so just like we're saying right like there is no there's no getting out of your path if mm -hmm. it's your path <laughs> mm -hmm. and there's no forcing a different path than the path you're supposed to take. If you're a hundred percent, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing for me, like whatever it is uh, that I'm supposed to do, like it comes super duper easy, you know, and it's like 99% of the time it is not stuff that I need to look up because I'm just told what to do. And I'm like, okay, I got this. All right, I'll uh, get on that right now. <laughs> Even though sometimes I'm like super lazy and I just want a day where I don't have to do something. And it's like that almost like poking me. Now you're supposed to do this now. And I, I was, I told this story before, but I have an aversion to snakes. I don't like snakes. Um, because of a trauma in my childhood. And I was sitting outside one night and I looked down and there's a snake and its head is stuck under the garden hose and it's just like flipping all over the place and whatever. And I kept hearing, you need to let that snake go. And I'm like, nope. Nope. Not you me. need to let, you need <laughs> to let that snake go. Nope. Janet, let that snake go. Nope. <sighs> And it kept, it was like shoving me to do this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got this. And I had to go over and pick up the garden hose to let the snake go. And I'm like, the whole, like, gave me the willies. And like, now my fear of snakes is gone. Wow. So it was like a, it was a gift. I, uh, like, you have to do this to like free yourself. And I'm like, Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I really don't like, woo, I don't like snakes. Yeah, yeah, no. And now that's like not a thing now. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, what a gift from that snake. He's like, yeah. I'll get stuck for you and be terrified <laughs> for you for a while. <laughs> and it a was while. a while too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I will literally sit here until it's dawn and I am not going to touch that snake. <laughs> and it was like, no, you're not. Yeah. So... How, do you do you feel like um like as you go you're constantly being given new gifts and new things to help in different ways that you never ever thought yes um and and in some ways it's also like oh these are all the same gifts i've always had 
they're just deepening. I'm understanding them more. And also my spiritual channels clarify and purify more and more. So it gets more obvious, profound or deeper or however you want to more powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, there's things that I will have been doing for a while, but I didn't really know. And then all of a sudden I really see it and understand it. And then I have a name for it and, Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. This, um, for example, I do what I call just a life path reading. It's just a normal reading. You'd probably get from any tarot reader. I don't know what they call theirs, but it's the same layout that a lot of people do. It's called the sword and shield or the Celtic cross or many other names that it has. And it's very standard reading. Uh, and while I was doing those, which I've done my whole life again, except for the short time, I was too terrified <laughs> to touch tarot. Exactly. <laughs> um, I was I've for good reason all my life, basically. And, um, so doing these readings, doing these readings, and suddenly, like, I just couldn't deny, like, there's past lives coming up sometimes. But it, but because of how this reading is, like, we're not looking deeply into them, but they're, like, coming up, and I'm getting the message and understanding, oh, this card, this, and it was always in the environment place, it was in the mm-hmm. place of the environment. This is what's going on around you, is, like, you have this past life that has stuck energy related to the thing that we're talking about that's going on in your life, right? Whatever this mm-hmm trauma crisis, whatever the thing at the pattern currently in your life is connected to this past life. But then it was like, well, what are we supposed to do with that information? I mean, now they just kind of know, like, I guess I had some kind of past life. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, but that kept happening, kept happening. And then, you know, my guides and knowledge were like, yeah, you can do past life readings with tarot. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm supposed to do that now. And, you know, this was one of those things too, where I was like, I don't know how to do this. I mean, nobody does this. So like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. But they just showed me a layout. They showed me what each of the cards was going to represent. And I just practiced on people who were willing to be my guinea pigs. And now mm-hmm. back then I was just kind of like, I can't see other people's past lives unless I'm in deep ceremony with them, unless I'm in this deep healing session with them. And then sometimes that comes through, but now I can just flip a card over and go, yeah, here was your past life. It was like this and this and this. It was around this time period. It was around this area of the globe uh, or the, sorry, the world, whatever shape it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and here's the things that were going on and here's the trauma of it. And here's why it's coming up now. And here's how it's connected to what's going on in your life right now. And it's like easy now. At the time, it, it wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but technically, I was kind of always able to to see that in some capacity. I just didn't know it. So I wasn't looking for it. And so it can't come through as easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, I started doing sound healing and I started doing it based on how someone else does it. I learned from their method, right? But when I got really in touch with my tuning forks, I started being like, well, this one wants to do this and this one wants to do this. And whatever that person was doing, like, is not really what I'm doing. I'm doing this. And and then as I started doing that more and more, I was like, oh, I'm going to leave this other thing completely out of it because I'm getting so much more information mm-hmm. on this level. Uh, so I just like abandoned everything I learned from that person. And I just mm-hmm. started doing it as I was guided to do it. And now that is so much more powerful than it ever was. You know, mm-hmm. now, again, many past lives might come up, soul retrievals might happen. And that wasn't part of what I was taught with sound healing at all. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, it seems like brand new things and it seemed, but I, I always can trace this thread and see, actually, this is either always sort of been happening or it was happening in a different way. And it's just transforming mm-hmm. and deepening and expanding. Evolving. Yeah. Just like I am. Right. And the more I trust my gifts, the more I trust my guidance, the more I practice my gifts and my guidance, the deeper and further and more powerful things get. 
and the more I heal, because as we're helping other people heal themselves, we're always healing ourselves too. hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Someone said to me, like, when do we get to stop healing? And I was like, uh, I don't think you're going to be in a physical body when you stop healing. <laughs> I think this is a place of healing that we have come in order to balance our karma mm-hmm. so that we can release all of this and, and move somewhere mm-hmm. else. It's, it's not a question of becoming different than we are. It's a question of becoming exactly who and what we are without mm-hmm. all of the crap. <laughs> right. right. Uh, yeah. And, and taking out all of the ins- outside influences and stuff like that. And just focusing on you as a whole and what God meant for your vessel to be. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And all of the things that I've done, as well, but guided to do and was brave enough to try to trust mm-hmm. them and go, okay, <laughs> I'll try this. I, it feels insane to me. It feels crazy. Like, because again, in it, I'm a very logical person, actually. I, I came from like this materialist self too, because I was very academically intelligent. I had a really mm-hmm. high IQ. So like everything to me is also very logical. And as much as I knew I had this soul and this psychic, whatever, I also like, you can't heal people with tuning forks. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I just have this logical side of me. And I also have my, I'll say like self-harm side, my self-hating side of me, right? Like all of that mm-hmm. trauma side of me that says, you can't do anything. You can't do mm-hmm. anything good. You can't do anything special. You're not mm-hmm. like magic. Like you're just a little piece of shit, right? Like that part. Yeah. Of- so it was hard to just say, yeah, I can do this and I'm going to do this and I'll do it. And to hold that authority and to step into that was terrifying. And mm-hmm. I don't think people necessarily expect that either, right? They're like, what do you mean? You have these gifts, you just know. Well, you do, but it doesn't stop your inner critic from telling mm-hmm. you that you're dumb, right? <laughs> so that took practice too. And that that was a lot of healing in itself. Well, and that's, that's like the, the big thing, I think, for a lot of people, especially that are, um, you know, have that belief in God or whatever. And it's like, okay, this is the path that, you know, I've chosen for you. This is what you're supposed to do. And then you have Satan like on your shoulder going, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, you're going to fail. You shouldn't do that because you're going to fail. You're not yep. smart enough. Uh, you're not creative enough. You're not, you know, whatever. And that I think so many people listen to that voice instead of following what path they're meant to do that that's why they're still not following the path that they're meant to be on yeah. because they can't get rid of that voice telling them they're never going to be good enough. They're going to fail or, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's hard. Well, and sometimes I think things come up too. You know, there was this one day where I was supposed to do this um, healing with, with a dog actually, which is not my thing, but when someone asks mm-hmm. me and, and the guides are like, yeah, then I'm like, I guess. Yeah. Like, let's try it. So um, I did a, a sound healing with a, with a dog and I do all of this virtually. I don't do any of it in person. I don't even have a place I could do it in person. So a hundred percent of this is done from, you know, because spirit has no time or space. It doesn't care where right. you are. Um, so I'm doing this healing on the floor of my room on this dog. That's, you know, a thousand miles away. And 
but I didn't not want to. I, I was having the worst day. I was, ha I don't even remember at this point what it was, but I know I felt mm -hmm. physically ill and I also couldn't stop crying because whatever trauma had come up or whatever mm -hmm. thing had happened, I don't even know. And so I'm like crying and like sick and like physically not well and all of this stuff. And, but my guys are like, no, you're going to do it. And I was like, why? Like, you're like, I don't want to. I please have a break? <laughs> like, I just don't want to. And they're just like, no. Cause sometimes they're like, yeah, no, you're not supposed to do this today reschedule this like it's not a good whatever mm -hmm. the energies are not aligned let's just not right. do this. but today they were like no do it i'm like well i have to listen to them so i have to do this so i did this healing i'm crying the whole time for myself but still just doing the healing getting the messages getting the information and all this stuff but by the end of it i was completely transformed and whatever mm -hmm. sadness I had was gone and my body felt physically fantastic. And mm -hmm. I remembered, oh, sometimes you are being presented with this feeling that you think yep. is that Satan, like telling you, you can't do it. You mm -hmm. shouldn't do it. Just stop or whatever. Or you think like, no, I really genuinely shouldn't do it. Right. But actually mm -hmm. the lesson is to like push through anyway and see that, you know, you're going to get so much more out of this or mm -hmm. you're not actually as sick or as sad as you think, or this is what will actually transform that and release it. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things. So it's also just good to be, I think, centered <clears throat> and open and mm -hmm. asking for your guidance to come help you in this situation because it's going to mm -hmm. be different every time. Um, you know, and that voice is going to sound different every time. <laughs> and sometimes it's going to sound like you wanting relief when actually it's like trying to talk you out of doing something really powerful and that you need to do. You know what's so funny? Um, Ellie and I had this discussion lately because there was this one person I had scheduled for my show and they canceled like six times. And I'm usually the type of person that is like, okay, no, fine, uh, yeah. <laughs> like we're not doing this. And I just kept hearing, be patient, be patient. And we finally had the show and it was the most beautiful conversation or whatever. And after we're done recording, he's like, I don't know what it was, but I needed this today. And he's like, I feel like you just lifted this giant weight off of me. Now there's this other person who has been corresponding with me through email and I was telling her I'm like six times now I have responded to this person about doing a show together and my emails vanished mm -hmm. every time they just vanished and so the communication wasn't there and I'm like getting this strong message like absolutely not you don't want to have any connection with this person whatsoever because it's like an unsafe or like a dark energy or something and and i know that sounds weird to a lot of people that that don't don't understand energy and stuff like that but there's always something there that like protects me or i'm very good at reading energy yeah and so like when things like that happen, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pay attention because <laughs> I'm not going to invite something into my life that I don't want here. No, it's, it's really actually amazing. Sometimes I'll have these, I'll have these times where my schedule just opens up. Like no one's booking in that mm -hmm. week for some reason. And they're like us right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they're booking the week after and they're booking the week before, but like not that week. And I'm always like, this is so weird. And I go in and check like, no, it's still marked as available on my booking system. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, I don't know. It's just happened. Every time that happens, this has happened multiple times. Every time it happens, I go through something massive right then mm -hmm. <laughs> where I would not have been able to perform my duties right or like mm -hmm, show up right people because i was going through my own stuff my mm -hmm. soul knew that and was like don't book then and everyone listened and you know it mm -hmm. just opened that space up so I, instead of getting like oh man what's happening or maybe something's going wrong now i'm just like oh okay that's for a reason mm -hmm. it's gonna be something good or bad i mean sometimes mm -hmm. it's a different right. thing i go through and sometimes it's like oh no i really wanted to actually go to this event that was going to happen mm -hmm. that day and then it was a good thing to go to whatever and I've just learned to trust basically mm -hmm. everything I mean I still fall into the 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 crud sometimes the old patterns and the things that don't matter the past two days in fact mercury retrograde I guess has just taken its toll and I've had the worst communications with these people and it's all tech related and I won't go into my tech gremlin stuff i'm actually going to do a show on that uh tonight which I, I hate tech stuff so <laughs> oh it's it's beyond reason mm. it's definitely supernatural i don't know if we want to call it ai or if it's the nsa or a little combination mm -hmm. of both but it's definitely <laughs> hi bob so bizarre yeah <laughs> but so the people listening to this this is actually the show that i'm talking about that i'm gonna do tonight would have been a few days prior but um Oh, where was I going? Oh, so the past few days I've had some tech things come up and not even that major, but I just, I was like, well, I'll just reach out to this tech support and see if they can help me instead of searching endlessly in forums and trying to whatever. Mm -hmm. And I pop in and just instant horror. They're just like mad at me for something or like treat. And I'm like, and my, and then I'm like, tri not triggered, triggered, but you know, I'm triggered to be like my old self. Be like, Oh, mm -hmm. what did you just say? And like, <laughs> like, you know, getting sassy. And, and so then I'm being like rude back and then I'm seeing myself being rude back, but I keep being rude. And I'm like, what is that? I usually now I'm really good. If I see myself doing it to be like, okay, I'm sorry, please allow mm -hmm. me to, for, to apologize for my poor behavior. Let's try to start over. Like, you know, whatever, but no, I just kept going. And then like their boss got on and then they were being rude to me. And then I was like, oh, now you're being rude. Now, no, no. <laughs> now I'm really going to bring it. <laughs> and then I was being rude to them. And then I finally stopped and I said, no, I I'm so sorry. I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't want to be rude to you. I don't want you to be rude to me. They kept being rude after this. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's their thing. But I, I at least at the very end pulled it back and was like, I'm genuinely sorry. And I don't, I'm going to go somewhere else now. Mm -hmm. I talked to a different tech person. They were okay. And then I talked to one more tech person. She was fantastic. But my real point is I was rude. I know I shouldn't be rude to people no matter, they're not, whether well, maybe having a bad day or I've been in mm -hmm. service and sometimes someone just strikes you the wrong way and you think they're being rude, even if they didn't mean to be. And like, who knows what? And I mm -hmm. still did it for how long I was rude back and I was sassy back and I was unproductive and unhelpful back for how long. So, you know, I have these things where I catch myself and, you know, where I feel like I've fallen. And, but even then I, uh, I got this, I got this good lesson out of it too, again, right? Like that mm -hmm. I too can still fall into this very human reactive mm -hmm. anger right. or whatever. And also to learn this patience and also to not give up <laughs> on my little computer here and help it come back to the light and find the right tech person who can help us solve the completely illogical problem that's happening. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to anyone. And um, in the end it's, it's um okay, but 
I, I don't remember what else my point was, except to say that, like, I fail too sometimes. You know what, though? <laughs> you you said patience. And that is the one thing um, that I, I pray about a lot is patience. Because um, I'm like a therapist for a lot of people. Um, I, I'm not a paid therapist. I don't make any money off of it, but literally my energy draws that for people. Yeah. And so people are always calling me or, or texting me or emailing or whatever. And there's one particular person that sometimes it's like a hundred messages in a row and I will have to stop myself because I'll start to turn into that. Yeah. grouchy mindset or whatever and i'll be like okay god i really really need you to help me with patience right now i need you to help me calm down i need you to help me uh be patient because this person obviously is reaching out for a reason yeah. and it's like i constantly have to pray to like recenter so that i can deal with whatever was such an, an emergency yeah. To, the, to them. It's an emergency to them. And to me, sometimes it seems like, like a ball of complaints, yeah. you know what I mean? That are tiny little mm -hmm. things, but I, it, putting it in perspective, it's always like having the patience to understand that these little tiny things are super duper overwhelming for someone else. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think sometimes it's hard too, because the further we go in our own path, the higher expectations mm -hmm. we have in general, we're like, oh, mm -hmm. anyone can heal. Everybody mm -hmm. come on, let's heal. Like, and people are like, no, I'm still dealing with like that. I hate my cleaning my cat litter box or whatever. whatever mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah, no, that's actually where people are. And, and so that's where we have to be mm -hmm. too and meet everyone at their level. But another mm -hmm. aspect of what you're talking about that I think any good healer from any tradition or any practice knows, mm -hmm. you know, even, even the mainstream, like therapists, traditional stuff, and any kind of magical, any of this stuff is that you have to be truly neutral and truly mm -hmm. centered to right. really allow the highest energy to come through. And, mm -hmm. you know, so whenever, whenever we're doing this with someone truly and, and praying to God is another way of doing that, mm -hmm. right. Whenever we're doing with someone true, this truly, it's not ever us. Like the mm -hmm. things I'm saying to you are not actually made exactly you. right. The energy that's coming through is not my energy. Nothing mm -hmm. is being directed by me. This is just happening through me. I've just been able to become a neutral open channel. And my first shamanic teacher called it the the hollow bone and i have an image of it somewhere someone drew for her eventually uh, and she was like that's it that's exactly what it is and it's mm -hmm. actually this she imagined it as a cross going through her meeting at the heart and the heart was just this open circle and mm -hmm. everything else was just bone and it was just like a hollow tube uh, mm -hmm. going out all these four directions, top to bottom, left to right, and then the whole right. center of the heart. And she's like this, I'm just this tube. Whenever this is going on, whenever healing is coming, this is how I see myself. This mm -hmm. is what I know I am. And this is what I get into. I don't even try to imagine that person, like what I know about them, what I think about them, you know, what they're going through. I just let all of that go. And there's right. whatever comes through is coming straight from source. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that I had her as my teacher was Myrna Thunderwolf. And she, um, you know, gave me that understanding. And years later, I understood that every tradition has some version of this, some version of mm -hmm. centering, grounding and becoming neutral to allow this energy through. Right. 
And so that that energy is really pure. If you're going in and you're like, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to take this part out of this of you and yeah, I'm no. put in this thing. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not a good idea. That's how mistakes mm -mm. get made because we're super fallible. Just like mm -hmm. I just talked about being really rude to some tech people. <laughs> That's me, <laughs> right? A hundred percent. And it's it's one of those things where, uh, and people may chuckle about this or whatever, but literally before every show or every conversation I have with somebody, I'm like, okay, Lord, use me as your vessel. Uh, let my words come out clearly and concisely impart me with knowledge and wisdom. Uh, let your message come out, whatever needs to be heard to whoever needs to hear it, you know, whatever center me, ground me, all of these things. And it is so beneficial to do that because without that, I wouldn't be able to do what he wants me to do. Yeah. Ever. I, I do the same and I add to it that forgiveness practice. So, you know, mm -hmm. before, before I meet with an, uh, any new or old, someone I've met mm -hmm. with before or not going on a show with someone I've been with them or not, like, you know, anybody, mm -hmm. um, I do a forgiveness practice first and then do that mm -hmm. same sort of prayer. So now it's like, we've got a clear slate, right. <laughs> right? Even if you don't know, we did a forgiveness practice, we did. And then <laughs> we're also like, here's what, what's the highest way we can serve uh, in this conversation, right? Like what's the information that needs to come through for the people who are listening. And what's mm -hmm. amazing too, is I do these events and I do these, um, meditations on Sundays. I do spiritual classes on Sundays. Uh, and then I do these events every solstice and equinox or as close to them as we can get mm -hmm. called one day of brightness. And for each of those, it's also like, I don't know what's going to happen ahead of time. I do mm -hmm. the same exact thing. I do forgiveness practice for everyone who's going to be there. I do mm -hmm. the prayer centering and getting, you know, becoming this open vessel and then whatever comes through comes through. And it's always way better than what I could have done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like if I would have sat down and been like, okay, here's what we're going to meditate about, or here's what this right. is going to be about. It'd be fine, but it wouldn't be fantastic. And this mm -hmm. allows it to be fantastic, but also all the people who are drawn to any of those you know, called to come meditate on Sundays, called to come to the class on Sundays, mm -hmm. called to come to one day of brightness, feel, you know, decide to come and join us. They're all there for a reason. And what mm -hmm. comes through is for them. It would have right. come through differently if other people came through. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we, every person there is actually adding to the field and to the knowledge and to the wisdom, whether they know it or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Because this is their highest self is like, Hey, talk about this. <laughs> right. And then mm -hmm. that's coming through. And I just find that so fascinating that every time everyone there is there for a reason, everyone mm -hmm. there gets exactly what they needed. Even one message coming through comes through in a different way to each person. It's exactly what they needed to hear. It's right. just incredible what spirit can do when you let it. A hundred percent. And I, I pray seriously that um, hearts and minds are open, that people are healed um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, whatever that they need. And, you know, I pray grace, mercy, patience, kindness, and love over their lives. I pray for forgiveness of those who, who can't find themselves to, to forgive other people right now. And I, I certainly hope that if anybody needs any kind of um, healing, someone to talk to, anything like that, reach out to either one of us because 
uh, we definitely will be there. Yeah. Um, Miss Lindsay, I loved our conversation. I'm yeah. so excited you came on. I could literally talk to you for like 24 hours and not be bored. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You too. I, I might have to take a pee break, but yeah. you know, it would we would I would love that. Um, it would be fantastic because you have such a beautiful uh energy about you. Thank you. Um, so thank you again for coming on the show. Where can people find you at? Well, thank you for inviting me. It's so good to meet you. And you also have that beautiful energy. And so I'm, I'm grateful to spend thank this you. time with you and have such a great conversation. Um, and people can go to rogueways.org. It is ways as in pathways, not as in ocean waves. So rogueways.org is the site. And everything I do is there. So I have books there. I've channeled spiritual guidance books. I have channeled spiritual oracle books. I have uh, channeled fictional trilogy that is awesome. If you like fiction, it's good to get. You can get them both on, you know, electronically, or I can send you the actual physical copy. If you buy it from me instead of like Barnes and Noble or Amazon, then I do channel through a little message for you on the front and sign it. Um, so that is there. I also have the courses that I teach. They're all available through Thinkific, but you can click through to them from the site of rogueways.org. Tons of different stuff. If you're trying to get deeper into meditation or mantras or tarot or even sound healing, I've got the basics there for you. Psycho-spiritual protection is my favorite. Uh, and there is one free class there that is about mantras and manifestation. Uh, so you can even go get that free class if you like. I also have that one-on-one -on -one work that I do with anyone anywhere in the world. You can come book a session with me. I do the sound healing. I do tarot. I do past life stuff. Um, all kinds of things. And that's also... Uh, on the site, it's it's book a session or, or schedule a session or something or the buttons. And so you can click through and schedule whatever you like. That's also how you would schedule if you want to come to Sunday meditations or the Sunday teachings. And I'm trying to get that set up for the one day of brightness. Usually you buy it from the shop on my site, but we'll see what happens. The one day of brightness <laughs> is the event that it's going to be happening in about a month because the fall equinox is already almost upon us. And um, such a beautiful day of healing. It's way more affordable than any of my other types of one-on-one -on -one work, but you get like double the amount of healing and intensity because I do it with another really profound spiritual healer. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a whole day of, of healing and upliftment and transformation to higher levels of yourself and your life. And so that's coming up as well, the one day of brightness, um, whether you're going to get tickets in the shop on rogueways.org or get it on my booking site, you know, we'll see what happens, but that's how people can do that. <laughs> and otherwise in the shop, I do have that orgone that I make. I've got pillars, I've got orgone lotus votives, and I have medicine bags and the medicine to go in them. If you want, I choose the medicine based on guidance. It is not the same for each person. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will send that to you and you can put it in your bag if you want a medicine bag for yourself. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's it, except for the show. Rogueways is on every podcast platform and it is also live on rockfin.com slash rogueways Monday through Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. And on Sundays, I do a show called Day Zero also on that channel. Uh, and that is at 5 p.m. Eastern. So I think that's everything. I hope people come and follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I get lonely there. Uh, so come, come find me. <laughs> so where where can they find you at, on Instagram? Uh, Instagram and Twitter are both, um, unfortunately, at a very hard to spell thing. My at is apotropaic soul <laughs> in both of them. But I think you can just search for Lindsay Sharman and find me. And I know Sharman's also hard to spell, but it's S-C-H-A-R-M-Y-N. 
Um, you can find me on Facebook too, but I just think Instagram and Twitter are better for that kind of stuff. If you need spelling help, contact me. I will help you. <laughs> it's also all on the roguerace.org site. Everything I do is there. There's, there's a lot of it and it's overwhelming for some people, but it's all in one spot. <laughs> That's a good thing. Instead of having to go a bazillion different places to find things, look at things and, I know that I saw on your site you had something about uh, spiritual gifts. Helping people find their spiritual gifts. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what I do uh, with one-on-one -on -one work. And, and so I have actually packages um, that aren't called that, but that is what they lead to. Uh, one is the six-month transformation journey and one is the past life trauma healing journey. Um, and they're both meant to be about six months and we meet um, about once a month. And, and those are really, really great for opening your spiritual channels and tapping into your spiritual gifts at higher levels. But I also have the coaching and talk session where I teach anything that I teach in those courses that are on Thinkific or just wherever people are at, whatever they want to learn about spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, come with, you know, lists of questions or whatever it is, and we'll go through it. Sometimes um, those coaching and talk sessions are you know, purely physical. People want to talk about how to get rid of parasites and how to heal from trauma and chronic illness and all these things. And sometimes it's purely mental and sometimes it's purely emotional and sometimes it's purely spiritual questions. <laughs> and other times it's all of the above. So it really is intentionally open-ended so that whatever you need, we can do. And it's a lot more affordable than the healing ceremonies and sessions. Mm -hmm. And a lot more beneficial. Yeah. So Listeners, make sure you go and follow Miss Sharman. <laughs> I throw that in there again. Make sure you go and follow Lindsay Sharman uh, on Rogue Ways. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, download, uh, share with friends, uh, because it's always nice to have that uh, communication, right? to make sure that the message that was meant to be is getting out there. So make sure you do that. Show her some love. Um, do the same for me if you're so moved to do so. And if you're not, that's okay too. I still love you regardless and I forgive you. Yes, I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, my dear. And we shall have to do another show in the future because I quite enjoy talking to you. So I would love to. So for me and for Lindsay, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk to you next time.